Man, I wanted to show that video. There's so much you could preach off on that video, you know. Is this forever, you know? And, and the reality is, for some people, they make it their forever, right? Right? It's going to be one of those Sundays, right? And for some people, it doesn't last forever. For some people, it's a moment. For some people, it is forever. And he's screaming and he's yelling. He has no control. It's altered his mind, his vision. It's just taken full control. And I know that's an extreme, that video. But I just thought it was good just to bring some, some laughter. You know, we're not laughing at him, right? We're laughing with him. But, but I just thought it was, a, it was a great video. And I started to think about that term, bad trip, and what that term means. Because when I was young, and I'm sure even today, that term, bad trip, was often used. And I'm wondering if it's still used today. So many slang words that young people are saying today. I'm not sure if that's one of them. But it was one when I was young. I'll give you some examples. If you were going through a, through a bad breakup, right, and it, you weren't taking it good, you and your friends would probably say, oh, wow, man, what a bad trip. Probably happened to you at one point, maybe. Maybe you went out one night, and on a night out, if something happened, not the way that you planned for it to happen, and it became a disaster, you and your friends would probably say, wow, what a bad trip. If you got caught and your parents grounded you, you would probably say, what a bad trip, I got caught. And all these different ways that term was used, but it was often used when you were on some sort of drug. If the drug hit you well in those days, it was called the good trip. And sorry for talking about drugs in church, but that's a good church if they talk about drugs in church. And God's people say, right, right. So if the drug hit you well, it's a good trip, people say. But if the drug doesn't hit you well, guess what term was used, was used during those days? Wow, what a bad trip. And that was often used. And, 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 and when you think about addicted, the first thing that probably came to your mind was drugs. He's going to talk about drugs for six weeks. I'm not. I might mention it here and there. And especially as we jump into the weeks, you might have a Sunday. I'm not even going to mention that because that's, that's the least of what I'm really talking about here. I'm not talking about alcohol. That's the least of what I'm really talking about here. I'm really talking about something deeper. And if you're here today, I, I pray that if you find yourself on a bad trip that God does minister to you, and God does bless you, and does something to you. You know, since we're on this topic of drugs, and, and I'll get out of it now in a second, but think about drugs for a moment. They're chemicals, drugs are chemicals, and because of their chemical structures, they affect the body, and every drug, different drugs affect the body in different ways. In fact, some drugs can change the person's body and brain in ways that last long, after the person stopped taking drugs. For some people, it lasts permanently for the rest of their lives depending on how much and what they did and all that. And depending on the drug, it can enter the human body in a number of ways, including injection, inhalation, ingestion. The method of how it enters the body impacts on how the drug affects the person. Injection takes the drug directly into the bloodstream, providing more immediate effects, while ingestion requires the drug to pass through the digestive system, delaying its effects. So you look at drugs in itself, and there's so many different drugs, so many different things that it does, and so many different ways that you can put it into your body. And determining of how you do that will determine the consequences or the effects that your body, that your mind will go through. Everyone understand that, right? So, you know, I started to think about drugs, and I said, my gosh, it makes perfect sense that I, in my personal life, can relate drugs, at least to me, I can relate it to sin in my life. Do you know that? 
I could allow sin in my life in so many different ways, in so many different avenues. I mean, I can't, I mean, you're good, inject sin and, and all that stuff, but, but there are so many ways that I could receive sin through my actions, through the television set, through my phone, through my conversations, through someone else's conversation. I could receive so much through it. And you might say something to me, and I might receive it a certain way, and it's sinful, and it has an effect on the way I think from now on. For, 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 for some people, it's for the rest of their lives. Maybe it's just for a moment. But I've allowed that to, to come into my life, and we could relate addictions to sin. And the kind of sin that I'm talking about today specifically is habitual sin. Habitual sin. That is a pattern of disobedience of God. Hey, ever been there? You've been like, I'm going to get right tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, you did not get right. What did you do? You continued in the same pattern of sin. Guess what that's called? Habitual sin. Nothing's changed. You developed a pattern and a lifestyle to live a certain way, and there's ne- no, there is nothing changing it. Habitual sin. Disobedience to God. And what does that require? Man, you have the knowledge that you know what you are doing And what you're doing is wrong, but yet knowing that and having that knowledge, you continue to sin despite knowing the the consequences. And what happens after that? Sin becomes habitual. It becomes habitual in your life because of a spiritual or a psychological cycle that has taken place with the person who is in that sin. Guys, I can't explain this to you any more than that's the perfect way of describing addiction addiction. And, and this series is called Addicted. So I want to give you the definition of what this word addicted means. It says this, devoted or given up to a practice or habit or to something psychologically or physically, listen to this, habit forming, habitual. So when you look at that definition of addicted, I want you to examine yourself as we get through this introduction today. Have you given yourself up to certain habits? Have you given yourself up to a lifestyle? You've rewired now the way that your mind normally thinks and how your body normally functions. Listen to what I'm telling you. That you've now created an addiction from an ongoing practice or an ongoing habit. And next thing you know, like, ready? What did he say? How did this happen? Have you been there in your life? Then now you're living and you're like, how did this happen? Well... What started a long time ago, that's how it happened. Man, I, I've met with young and older marriages in that back room and, and out to dinner. And, and I've heard this from marriages. I don't even know how this happened in my marriage. He is such a, she is, and I'm like, it did not just happen. It actually happened years ago. From what you founded that marriage on. From where you started in. Where you made a habit in your marriage has now become this disastrous picture. And we're having dinner today, and you're saying, just like Dennis said in the dentist, how did this happen? Guys, it started from what you started and how you began it and how you built it in the beginning. Does everyone understand that? Addictions. Being addicted is like, wake up, I'm addicted today. No. There was a process to get to that point. You just don't, you, you were born a sinner, and you just don't master that sin. You begin to grow in that sin. It's the same thing in our relationship with God, is it not, church? We just don't get saved and begin to, like, float in the air, and just because we have Jesus in our life, everyone's like, you're supposed to be perfect. Everyone's saying, uh, no, we're not. You're just supposed to be what? Holy, set apart. 
And sometimes being holy and set apart, you, you go through the imperfections of life, right? But it's very dangerous, very dangerous that we don't confuse this habitual sin, this addicted lifestyle to just our regular downfalls and things that we need help in and pray for. Listen to, listen to what I'm, I'm going to share with you as I was developing this and getting through the introduction of today's message titled Bad Trip. I wrote this down. Maybe, maybe it all started as a hobby in your life. And, and maybe, you know, you know, this message is good because, because maybe it's not you and you're sitting here like, dude, I'm not coming for the next six weeks because I don't struggle with anything. That's amazing, first off. Like, <laughs> if you don't struggle with anything, like, that's awesome. But, you're, but watch this. But if you're sitting here and you say that you don't struggle with anything, I bet you anything. Chances are you know someone that struggles with something. Anyone? That has just taken over their lives, it's just mastered them, controlled them. Maybe you, maybe the other person, you've ever been in that conversation. Hey, I, I kind of know someone that it's, it's, my, it's like my sister's friend, and you're like, no, it's not, it's you. You're <laughs> lying. How many of you have done that with someone, right? Hey, can I ask you a question? You know, my, my dad's friend asked me a question the other day, and we're just looking at you like, you're such a liar. We all know that it's you. You're talking about yourself and your dad's friend, nothing. But it probably started as a hobby, and it ended up controlling you. I wonder if that's anyone here. Hey, I wonder if that's anyone here. Well, hold up. I wonder if that's anyone in your life. It could have been just one time that you were going to watch it. One time. I was just going to watch it one time. One time that you were going to try it. I'm just going to try it one time. One time that you were going to entertain it, but now it has a grip on your mind and a grip on your heart. Know anyone? Is that anyone here? And you find yourself at a place where it is impossible to break from these things. And we will see in the next month or so that a lot of this is spiritual. A lot of it is mental. And we will discuss these things and pray that we will align our lives back to where it's supposed to be in Christ. How many of you could say amen? And that we will transform our minds back to the mind of Jesus Christ. Scripture will teach us that throughout the next few weeks. But this message and these messages in our series called Addicted, it's going to help us and it's going to transform us. But it will only help us and transform us as much as we open up our hearts to it, to allow it to do that to us. Because if you sit here, right, and that's my friend's friend, not me. If you sit here and say, well, I have no problems while having many of these problems, it's going to be very difficult to experience change in your life. But if you open up your heart to the Lord, I know this without a, shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, that the Lord will begin a beautiful work in you. How many of you could say amen? I think it's the most important time. I'm going to get into the scripture real quick. It's Ephesians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles or you're taking notes, you could write this down. Ephesians 1. I'm going to read verses 18 and 19. I like the way the message breaks it down. As Peterson is doing his best here to break down the Greek, he he comments and he writes it this way in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. Listen to the words I'm going to read to you. It says this. He says, Paul writing to Ephesus, I ask, ask the God of my master, of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. Look what it says here. That your eyes would be focused and clear. You could, you could like write that, man. Because you all know that when you, when you go through an addiction, the last thing that you experience is a focused mind and a clear vision, a clear view of what God has. 
So, so here is this translation and it says that your eyes would be focused and clear. So that you can see exactly. Love that. Not kind of. Not where it kind of looks so I think it will be or I'm having this thought. No, no. It's, it's focused, clear, and you're going to see exactly what it is that he is calling you to do. Look what he's telling you next. You would grasp the immensity of the glorious way of life that he has for his followers, all the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Look what he says, endless energy, boundless strength. That's good. NLT says it this way, I pray that your hearts will be flooded, flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given. Man, that's good. Paul's like, at the flood gates of the Lord, the, that the flood would, would just pour, flooding you with light. Why? Why, why would something flood me with light? Because in the current state, I must be flooded in what? In darkness. And for some people, addiction and being addicted, not just to drugs, and not just to alcohol, but watch this, to a certain way of thinking that is not the way God's caused you to think, it puts you in a dark place, doesn't it? Or, or, you, or you know God's called you to live a certain way. Watch this, watch this. And, and as you're doing that, have you noticed that as you continue to, to, to be addicted to certain things in your life, there is still at the end of the day a void in your life and none of that stuff that you practice or that you do as a habit ever fills the void and the joy that you long for? You want to know what that's called? It's called God has given you a soul and the soul inside still stays empty and the soul says, until my spirit connects to his spirit and we become one, you will not understand and experience the fullness of God until you do that. So what do we do? I, I need to connect with this thing and with this girl and with this group and with this image and with these things. And God's like, no, you don't. All you need to connect with is the fullness of God. And once you lose the addiction to all these things that are carnal and of this world and get addicted to me, you and I become one and the fullness of God enters your life. Your life then becomes transformed. How many of us have been there? We're empty. We're hurting. Hey, listen, Instagram and Facebook and social media shows a different picture. I'm having a party, but deep down inside, you're hurting. You're in pain. You're crying. You're miserable. I have an answer for you. His name is Jesus. That's it. That's it. It will be authentic. It will be genuine. Will you go through tough times? Absolutely. Will there be struggles? Will there be valleys? Will there be shades of gray and darkness coming your way? Yes. But I'm going to tell you that my God, he will lead you, guide you, protect you, defend you. He will take you. And if you're here today, well, I don't have this problem, open up your heart. Because, because watch the verse that we read. He wants to make your eyes focus. He wants to make sure that they're clear so that you can see exactly what God has for you. Hey, how many of you are in here? Do not raise your hand. But come on, you're in here like, I have not seen what God has for me in a very long time. All right, this is a good message for you. Because if you have not seen what God has for you, God's like, that's what you're here for today. I'm going to make your eyes, your vision clear so that you could see exactly, so that you could grasp the immensity of the glorious way of boundless strength and endless energy. I'm going to flood you with light so that you can understand the confident hope that I've given you. 
I'm going to give you the sight. I'm going to give you the vision. I'm going to give you the mind. I'm going to give you the clarity that you so much desire and long for. How many of you could say amen? Addiction. Are you addicted today? There's so many addictions that we could discuss in the next few weeks. And we could mention each one of them on a separate sermon, but I'm not going to do that in the next six weeks. But we all know what addictions are. We know what are the famous ones. We know which are the ones that are deep down in your heart. You know what they are. You know what's amazing about addictions? If you're struggling with an addiction here, you've kept it to yourself, and most likely the person next to you doesn't even know about that addiction. Because most people don't want to open up about what they're addicted to. Because they're scared that they're going to be put to shame if they share with someone else what they're addicted to. And I'm going to tell you right now, well, that's not what God says, and that's not what God thinks. The Lord says to confess your sins. My God, there's paths of righteousness for you. So what are some of the common addictions? I mean, let's just get them out of the way. These are the top ten most common addictions, and you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, I've heard these. Number one, alcohol addiction. Two, smoking, smoking addiction. Number three, drug addiction. Number four, gambling. Number five, food addiction. Six, video games. I made it. Finally made it. Yeah. Moms and dads. Some of your dads are, are more addicted than the kids. Okay, number <laughs> video games slash, we could say phones. Number seven, internet addiction. Number eight, sex addictions. And there's a big category under sex addictions of what that means. Number nine, shopping. I hear a rebuke right now. I rebuke that, Pastor, in the name of Jesus. That is not of God. I come against you in the in the name of the Lord and the armies of God. <laughs> shopping addiction. All the men say. That was your shot, guys. You're not going shopping anymore. Pastor Rico said it. Shopping's done. Shopping addictions. <laughs> and number 10, work addictions. Yeah. I, I've met people that have lost their families because of how good they do at work. Working is so good. But don't get so good at your job that you do so bad at home. Uh, let's not even preach that to you. That's a whole other week. Addiction. 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 The state of being enslaved to a habit. Or a practice. Or to something that is psychologically or physically habit forming. Kind of like a narcotic it says here. Such as narcotics to, to such an extent that its cessation causes severe trauma. Can you imagine that? We'll get into that last section of that definition in a moment. But look what he says. Look what it says here in the dictionary. The state of being enslaved to a habit or a practice. I'm going to read Romans chapter 6. How can I not, right? And in Romans chapter 6, I'm going to jump around. I'm going to read 17 and 18. Then I'm going to go to 6, 7, and 8. I'm going to read it the same way that Peterson writes it and translates it. Listen to my words and, and listen to this real quick. If you're writing notes, Romans 6, you could actually read all of Romans 6, but because of time, I didn't have time to exegesis the whole entire passage of Romans 6, but you'll get the point here. It says this, offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. How many of us know people or we live a life that hey as long as I'm sinning doing what I want I feel what I feel what 
You're not free. Actually, the moment that you continue to live in sin, you're actually what? You're bound. You're bound. You're bound to it. You long for that. You need that in your life. So, so look what it says. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God, and the freedom never quits. Man, that's good. Like there is freedom in God. All your lives, you've, you've let sin tell you what to do. Been there? I have. I have. Walk up. The alarm goes off, and the first thing in my mind, sin. Let's see how we do it today, baby. You heard me, I think it was last week. I wake up now and say, God, let's see how we do it today now. Your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do, but, but thank God that you've started listening to a new master. How many of you can say amen, right? One whose commands have set you free to do what? Well, to live openly in his freedom. To live openly in his freedom. Hey, hey, there's freedom that is found in the, in the freedom act of salvation in Jesus Christ. There, there is freedom in him. But the moment that we offer up our lives, our mind, our souls to sin, that's our last time of freedom. But in him there is freedom. In him we are, we're, we are able to live openly in this freedom. I'm going to read verses 6, 7, and 8 in the same chapter. And look what he says here. Could it be any clearer... Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, come on, this is good, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. That's good. Hey, hey, look at this passage real quick. No longer at sins, every beck and call. Our old way of life has been nailed to the cross, a decisive end to that sin, miserable life. If, if, I, could, if I could change that around a little bit and add what I want to add there, an end to that addicted lifestyle. No longer controlled by those habits, controlled by those thoughts, controlled by those actions. Must I go back to the definition? Listen to this. The state of being enslaved to a habit or practice or something that is psychologically or physically habit-forming to such an extent that its cessation causes severe trauma. What a bad trip. What a bad trip. What do you mean? What do I mean by what a bad trip is this? That when I try to stop, I can't even stop because it causes a severe trauma in my life to stop. I've seen it. I've seen it in relationships. I've seen women with men, men with women, vice versa, in between the whole nine. No pun intended, and I see it and I hear their stories. And they know they're not supposed to be with that person. Listen to this. And they know they're not supposed to marry that person. So we meet and we're like, so if you know all these things and you're saying all these things, why don't you just walk away? And you know what always comes after that counsel? <laughs> Amazing godly counsel? Here it is. I just what? I just can't. I just can't. It's like I have to stay here. It's like they have a control over my life. That drug, that thing, that person, these friends, whatever it is. And I'm like, what a bad trip that watches. That when you try to stop 
doing something, it causes severe trauma. Maybe trauma to your body. You know, when you think about addicts, some addicts, when they choose to stop, they get the chills. They begin to sweat, even cold sweats. Some overeat. It's a traumatic experience. It's real. And it, and, it, and it doesn't just happen with narcotics. It doesn't just happen with drinking and smoking. It, it happens with all these different things in lives, in our lives that we experience. I've seen it. I've seen it with sin in people's lives. They open up their hearts and their lives to darkness. Sin controls them, and it's scary. They can't get out of that dark sin, and they become addicted to it. The relationship that is not honored by God becomes their drug. I've seen people bad trip with the person in their lives that they can't even think clear, and this person becomes kind of like a god in their lives. I've seen it with careers, I've seen it with money, I've seen it with sexual sin, I've seen it with drugs, the list can go on, but those things become gods over your lives and take full control. I've seen people thirst after things that are not the Lord or of the Lord, and those objects start to master them. And listen to what I'm about to tell you, church. Anything that we allow to master us becomes our Lord, do you know that? And that is why it becomes so hard to get rid of it, to disconnect from it, because of the position, watch this, and because of the authority that you've given that to your life. And when you've given something authority, it's hard to what? To relinquish and take away that authority from them because you've already given them the right to reign over your life. Hey, listen, sin no longer has power over you in Christ. And scripture is very clear on that. And I read all these points, and I think this one thought right here, it's very simple. No wonder people bad trip in lives. How many of you are driving in this traffic, work with people, live in the same house with others, and you see their actions, you see their words, you see their lifestyle, and all you could say is, my God, what a bad trip. Anyone? You live with someone that's miserable? All right. It's getting very touchy. But how can I not if I'm talking about addicted you work with someone that's miserable? You work with someone that, hey, how's your day? God bless you. Good day, huh? There's nothing good about this day. This day sucks, man. There's nothing good that's going on in the morning. Maori did a great job giving us that great experience. Exp- Maori's not that person. But he's like, everything was wrong. I spilled coffee on myself. That's just one day. Other days, Maori's always smiling. But have you ever met someone like that? It's every single day. Oh, negative. And you're just like, wow, is your life always like that? Yeah. Ever met someone like that? Right? You walk into a place, you're glowing like, I feel so good. And you walk into a room and it's like, and everything's like, I feel so bad now. Like, they suck all the good out of you. One second with them, hey, what a bad trip, man. Hey, watch this. I wonder what's really going on deep down inside that person. I wonder what they're really struggling with. Husband. I wonder what your wife is really dealing with. Wives, I wonder what your husbands are really dealing with. Parents, get ready for this. Because some of us are in a cloud that they need to be popped. I wonder what your kids are dealing with, huh? Hey, listen, for some of us, it's addictions. Aside from this, I also teach high school kids 
And I've seen high school kids be so addicted to things that I'm like, whoa, it's beyond your years. You should not be addicted to that. I mean, ever, but, but not now, especially, no. Bad trip. I'm going to read some more passage because the truth is what sets us free. I'm going to read from the ESV, 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 8. Look, look what it says here. It's a powerful scripture here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 8 says this. But you're not in darkness, brothers, for, for that day to surprise you is life like a thief. Here's Paul, and he's talking about in Thessalonica, as he's writing this letter, he's talking here about the return of the Lord. But look what he says here. You're not in darkness anymore. Verse 5, for you are all children of the light. Guys, if you're in Jesus, and maybe you're not today, I'm going to invite you today, come to Jesus. But in Jesus, you're children of light. You're children of the day. We're not of the night. We're not of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake. Look what it says next. And let us be what? Yeah, don't think for once that's talking about alcohol. Don't think for, I'm good. I don't drink. No, at all, that's not talking about alcohol. Don't be engulfed to your sin. Don't be drunk off sin. Don't be drunk to a lifestyle that is outside of his standard. Like, be sober. Look at verse 7. For those who sleep, they sleep at night. And those who get drunk, okay? Now, don't think for once this is talking about alcohol. For those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. Come on, we all know it. At night, people like to party at night. People like to do things at night. At night is where the animals come out. And those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. And verse 8 says, but since we belong to the day, we're sober. Let us be sober. We've put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, we've put on the hope of salvation. Hey, listen, you are a representative of something totally different. You are part of an army that is representing something totally different. You're not of night. You are of day, people. And that's what he's telling the believer here. So because you're of the day, you're not controlled by a drunk lifestyle. You're sober. You're clean. You're clear. Look at how Peterson says it. But friends, you're not in the dark, so how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You're sons of light, daughters of day. We live under wide open skies and we know where we stand. Come on, amen. I know where I stand for once in my life. I know where I stand in Jesus. There was times I was standing on everything but Jesus. And I was a mess. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be part of. And I wanted to do. So I smoked what they smoked, hang what they hang, went to where they went. And finally, when I found my identity in Jesus, I'm like, I'm a changed man. I actually found freedom in Jesus. So, but let's keep going for, this for a moment. So we live on the wide open skies. We know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like these others. But let's keep our eyes open. Let's be smart. Can you imagine that? They're telling us to be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. We're creatures of day and we act like the day. We act like Jesus, man. We put on Christ. We walk out into the daylight, what? What? Yeah. Sober. Dressed up in faith. Dressed up in love. The hope of our salvation. That's good. Look at 9 and 10. God didn't set us up for an angry rejection, 
but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. He died for us, a death that triggered life. Guess what next week's message is titled? Trigger. Trigger. But let's not get into it today. A death that has triggered life. Whether we're awakened with the living or asleep with the dead, watch this, we're what? Yeah, I love that. We're alive. How many times have you heard me stand up here on a Sunday and say, kill me if you want, but I never die. I live forever. That's awesome. Whether I'm living or whether I'm knocked out, I'm always living in Christ Jesus. Man, this passage to the church of Thessalonica is so powerful to the one who is stuck in addiction, to the one who continues to live addicted to whatever it is. Just the introduction. We'll get into these things in the weeks to come. But, but this, through this addiction, what does Paul say? You're not like that anymore. In Jesus, you represent, you are a child of the day, a child of the light. You are dressed differently now. You are sober. You put on faith and love. You have on you the hope of salvation. That's awesome. How many of you could say amen, that's me? But watch this. In the process of saying amen, that's me, have you ever felt like Paul? Watch, watch. That's me. I live in the day. But my God, is there a constant struggle in my life? How many of you could admit that? Finally, right? He's finally going to preach to me. So you want me to be perfect? No, it's never going to happen. But I'm sure that there's some of you in here like Paul, one of the greatest men in Scripture, and yet he struggled. And maybe you struggle within, and it seems very difficult to find victory over your addictions or over things that have control over you. There's this sin, there's these addictions. And Lord, how can I ever be victorious? How can I ever conquer these things? I'm going to share with you what Paul says. In Romans chapter 7, if you're taking notes, verses 14, 15, and 16, look what it says here. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all of God's commands are spiritual, but what? But I'm what? Yeah. Hey, hey preacher, stop waving the Bible at me. Ever been to a church service like that? If you're like that today, forgive me. I never meant to do that to you. Stop waving the Bible at me. Do, do, do this. I love what Phil was saying today in worship. Be, be, be like this. You're waving the pages. You're waving the scripture at me. Stop doing that. Okay, I'm going to stop if you thought that I was because look what Paul says. He says, I know this book and I know what Jesus is telling me to do. I know what's coming. I know what you're going to tell me next. All of God's words are spiritual, but watch what Paul says. He admits this. Being an apostle to the churches, he says what? Though he is spiritual and his word is spiritual, I struggle because I find myself what? Not being spiritual. Not spiritual. Is it this also your experience? Now he's putting me on the spot. Come on, Paul, shut up, man. Don't ask me the questions. Just write the book. But God likes to ask us questions. Remember last week? Jesus stoned her. Remember last week? She uh, was committed in adultery, right? The law of Moses says she needs to be killed. What does Jesus do? You're right. How can I forget that? Let's kill her. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He asks them a question back. So what does Paul do? Hey, is this your experience too, church? Watch. What, what, what are you talking about? That you struggle though you are in Christ Jesus? Though, though, though you know that you need to get rid of those things that have you bound, yet you continue to struggle? Huh? Does that happen to you too? How many of you could say, yeah. Paul, thank you. Yes. I struggle, and it's hard for me. Look what he says next. Yeah. I'm full of myself, after all. That's so awesome that Paul could say that. I am full of myself. I spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way. Come on. But then, 
I act another way. Look what he says next. Doing things that I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious. There's one thing that's obvious. God's commands are what? Are necessary. I can't do this, church. How about you, he says. No? You too? Good. Who are we fooling? And because we know that you and I, Paul, can't do this, and yet I decide to live one way, but yet, or think one way, but yet continue to live another way, and I'm absolutely despising myself, then, then there's one thing that is obvious. God's words and his word over our lives is necessary for me to continue in this lifestyle. I'm going to read Romans chapter 7, 18 and 19 as it goes with this. He says this, For I know, Paul, that in me, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. Paul is like, I stink. And I stink many days of my life. Verse 19, For the good that I want to do, I do not do it. And the evil I do not want to do, that is what I practice and I find myself doing. Come on, man. How many of you are so bound, are so addicted? You're like, I don't want this anymore, like Dennis. Is this forever? And God today is whispering in your sweet spirit, and he says, no, it's not forever. And I understand your heart. You've tried to do it, and every time you've tried, you've fallen short. I get what you're going through. You know what I did? I chose a foundational verse for the next six weeks that I want you to memorize. Because if we're going to be on a topic, I'm going to base all the six preachings on one verse. Here it is. And I want you to memorize this, because we're going to have a test on week number six. That's like July 20-something, but watch. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the ESV, if you can memorize it in that translation, look what Paul tells the church of Corinth after everything that he just admitted and asked us questions on. He tells the church, no temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. Come on, church. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your what? Beyond your ability. But the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape so that you may also, or that you may be able to endure in it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as we get ready to close. But I want you to look at this verse for a moment. And really grasp this. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. I want everyone to say this next part with me. God is faithful. Can you say that? Yeah. He's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able to be tempted in. So the temptation that he will provide is a way of escape. He will provide a way of escape so that you will also be able to endure. I'm going to break down those verses in the weeks to come, in this verse in the weeks to come. One, one Bible, a study Bible says it this way. In Christ, we face morally confusing situations. We should never think that we have no options other than sinful ones. There will always be a morally right solution that does not require disobedience to any of God's moral laws. 
What is Paul saying here? He's saying this, hey, just like me, if you've ever felt that you can't do what God wants you to do, watch this. There is nothing in your life that God has given you that he can't bless you and find for you a way of escape. That's awesome. Because I'm the first one to admit that in my life, I've had addictions. Never been a drug addict. Never been an alcohol addict. Never been a smoking addict. Never been a porn addict. Never been a, I'm gonna, you know, the next six weeks are going to be real. Never been an addict, but I've had things in my life that I've struggled with and things that I've been addicted to. And when I read this passage from Paul to the church, he says, Regal, God is faithful, man. Not only is he faithful, but look how faithful he is. Ready? That whatever you're tempted with, it's not beyond your ability. It's so amazing that, that he's going to provide a way of escape for you. So that for the rest of your life, you'll be able to endure in whatever it is that you struggle with. So listen. You found yourself today on a bad trip. You no longer have a control of a, of a certain object maybe in your life. And you've recognized, my goodness, Rigo, I'm actually addicted. I've, I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm addicted. But I tell you today that after reading these verses, that God provides a way of escape through that addiction. You fall into a temptation, but that temptation is not beyond your ability. It's not beyond what you can handle. That addiction that has a hold on us or has a hold on you in Jesus Christ there is provided a way of escape that you will be able to endure it for the rest of your lives and we're going to talk more about this in the weeks to come it doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily disappear but what it does mean is that for the rest of your life you're going to endure it you know what that word endure means in the Greek you're going to be able to bear it for the rest of your lives. Paul bared things for the rest of his lives. There were some things that never left Paul's life. In the midst of his writing, he had to live with some things. But watch this. The things that he lived with, he finally learned how to master them and not allow them to master him. Though he lived with them for the rest of his life. Because I know alcoholics that are in Jesus, but they can't cook with alcohol. It doesn't mean that alcohol has mastered them, but they've mastered alcohol and they know that because I know my struggle, I have to put it behind me and I can't open the window of opportunity to that for once have control again over my life. I can't have it. Listen to me, it's the same thing with us. I know men that can't watch rated R movies because too much of, of a picture of a woman would draw them off the scale. They've almost lost marriages because they were addicted to a certain viewing of something on television. But because they know their struggle, they put it behind them. And it's not that that struggle is still not there, but they've learned that for the rest of their lives in Jesus, he has prepared an escape and I will live conquering this for the rest of my life. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But for the rest of your lives, God might call you to walk with those things that have you bound right next to you or behind you and reminding it every day. I know you're there. And I know that if I wanted, I could give you control at any moment. But as you're there, come on, let's look at the mirror together and repeat after me. 
You have no more control. I now have control over you because of the one who has control over me. His name is Jesus. Plan of escape. 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 I don't need to be on drugs. I don't need to be on alcohol. I don't need to continue to think that way. I don't need to continue to live that way. I don't need to go that route. I have a plan of escape that has been provided and it's found in Jesus. Addictions no longer have control. I'm addicted to Jesus now. Am I perfect? No. Listen to me. There are still things that are here. And they follow me every day. And sometimes they, hey, sweetheart, I'm still here. And I know they're still there. And I know they're still whispering in my ear. And sometimes they still flirt with me. And they want to still come into my life. But I've understood what Paul has said here. He's provided a way of escape. And God's done something that I've never had the ability to do. And that is that for the rest of my life, in my salvation, I've been able to endure these things that at one moment in my life, I was never able to endure. You want to know what happened to me? Addiction. Watch. I no longer am enslaved to it. Because now, I am enslaved to Him. It's still there. But I don't walk according to their manner. I walk according to His. I'm enslaved to Jesus. No longer to sin. No longer to my addictions. That's how you get free. That's how you get through it. You'll be able to live with it every day, staring at you and you staring at it, but you'll bear it, you'll endure it. You will have the authority over it rather than it having the authority over you because in Jesus, there is a way of escape provided for you. The power of being addicted, that temptation is not beyond your ability, church. You can handle it. Why? Because God gives you the power and the grace to handle it. You better believe in Jesus. For some of us, it's been given to us. And it's going to always be there so that we can give hope to another with a similar or even same struggle. Oh, you struggle with that too? Come on, let's have dinner. Do I have something to tell you? And they look at you and like, wow, you too? How'd you do it? I did it because of Jesus. Come here. You know anyone that's sitting next to you? Or someone that's outside of here, maybe even yourself, that used to live a certain way, be a certain way, think a certain way, act a certain way, and from one day to another, their lives were just changed? When I got, when God changed my life and He saved me, my friends, who I used to do things every single day with, looked at me and said, you joined the cult. What else are they going to say? But little were they, did they know that I didn't drink cold. I joined the family and I became united to the one who gives me purpose again, who gives me life again, who gives me freedom. And you're probably sitting around someone that you saw change from one day to another. I'm going to tell you what it is. Jesus made a road escape for them and because the plan of escape has been given to them they're now able to endure the old lifestyle that they used to live I'm wondering if there's anyone here that's ever 
found themselves today on a bad trip. Maybe you're on a bad trip right now. Your true identity has been lost because of years of being addicted. Marriages, your families have been ruined. Guys, listen to what I'm telling you, man. Marriages and families ruined because you're addicted of continuing to think the same way, be the same person. Careers lost, money wasted, friendships tarnished, your character has been blemished. And today you're saying, Rigo, my God, that's me. I'm on a bad trip. All I can say is what a perfect series this will be for you. That Christ has planned a way of escape. That he's going to make you able to endure this. That your bad trip today can become a good trip. And no more loneliness. No more isolation. No more thinking, am I the only one? Trust me, because you're not. No more loss of identity. The Lord today and throughout this series is going to give you back your purpose, your identity, back your mind, your proper strength, and He will fill that void. How many of you could say amen? But as I end with this last verse, all I can say is open your heart in the weeks to come. Open your mind Open your soul through this process and let the healing begin. The healing over these addictions. No longer, Lord, will I be addicted. So you know what I want to end with? What a weird passage to end with, but it's not. Watch. Psalm 23. David, in a time of his life, Where all hell was around him. Where all enemies were conquering him. His very own son wanted to kill him and take his throne. David was in the darkest moment of his life. David struggled with some addictions. Did you know that? But look what he says. I'm going to go in a second to the beginning. But he says this. The Lord is my shepherd. And he says all this. But look what he says in 2-1. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Can I change that and put it in my presence of my addiction? You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I skipped the verse. David Lord this is what you're doing this is who you are I don't have to live in fear we're going to talk about that you comfort me now you prepare these things for me can everyone put their eyes on verse 1 what is the root 
of David saying everything that he just said? Why would David now at this point of his life say everything that he just said? Because of verse 1. The root of his life is found in verse 1. What is it? The Lord is my... Come on. I shall not want. Did you guys catch that? Before I wanted her. Before I wanted it. Before I wanted them. Before when my addictions, that's what I wanted. I was addicted, so I wanted. But the Lord now, the Lord now has changed. He's my shepherd. And because the Lord now, because of that, I shall not want. Church, until the Lord becomes it now, you're always going to want. But until the Lord becomes it now, you will never want again. Because all you have is already found in Him. Lord, you're my addiction. I shall not want. And because you're my addiction, and I shall not want, because of that truth, I lie down in green pastures. Come on, church. You could stand with me now. He leads me behind still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. I'm walking through, val through valleys and shadows of death, but I will fear no evil. You are with me. You comfort me. You prepare a table. You anoint me. Your cup runs over. Goodness and mercy follows me. All the days of my life, I will dwell in your presence forever because in you, my Lord, I shall not walk. I almost titled this message, I shall not walk. Addiction, I shall not walk. Church. Let that bless your heart. Let God speak to you today. This is my prayer for the rest of this series. Lord, you're my shepherd. Lord, you are that in which I'm addicted in. You are it. And because of that, I shall not walk. In Jesus' name, make that true. And God's people say, make that true. Amen.